0: I don't know if that one's so happy that we finally got to sit down. But sounds happy. At this time, Steve Andrews, our pastor, will come with the message and I had it here. Hiding. There it is. Pentecost, the count is complete, sir. Greetings, brethren. Another uh, beautiful holy day that we have to come before God. And um, we've been doing this um, since uh, uh, Passover, and they've been talking about it, you know, and counting down and everything. And uh, so I I wanted to to go ahead and say that it's complete. (laughs) We've made it. We've made it to the 50th day. Pentecost, that's what it means, 50th. And here we are. And here we are going to learn about God's true work that he's doing with each one of us. It's interesting. Let's go back to the original, see what God instructed us and instructed his children to do on this day. and this we'll find that in uh, Leviticus the twenty third chapter. I think everyone is familiar with the, these verses, but we go back, we review them every year we We rehearse them because they're very important. They're extremely important because they give us that plan of God that he is working out for us here on this earth. And with the rest of the the word of God together, we learn that God is loving us, taking care of us, providing for us, and giving us a, a way into his kingdom. You shall count to you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheath of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. Well, yesterday was that seventh Sabbath that we completed. Even to the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall you number 50 days, and you shall offer a meat offering. It says a new meat offering to the Lord. That actually is a grain offering. And you shall bring out of your habitations two wave loaves of two-tenths deals. They shall be of fine flour. They shall be baked with leavened. Here we find something totally different. We've got two loaves of bread now that are baked with leaven. Whereas when they, we did the Passover, we did the unleavened bread, we did not put any leaven in it. But God says that we are to bring two loaves that are baked with leaven. I understand this is a fairly large loaves of bread, too. They are not small. Um, so, anyway, they are, as it says, first fruits. To the Lord, boy, that's very important for all of us to understand. These are first fruits to the Lord. You shall offer with the bread, and here's the offerings that they were to give: seven lambs without blemish of the first year, one young bullock, two rams, and they shall be for the burnt, burnt offering to the Lord, and with their meat offering and their drink offering, even the offering made by fire of a sweet savour to the Lord. Then you shall sacrifice one kid of the goats for a sin offering, two lambs of the first year for a sacrifice of the peace offering, and the priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits for a wave offering before the Lord, with two lambs, and they shall be holy to the Lord, for the priest. And you shall proclaim and that is what we're doing today. we're proclaiming this day, this self-same day may be a holy convocation to you. You shall do no servile work therein. It shall be a statute forever in all your dwellings throughout your generations. And it's interesting. I, I added 22 because it's a very interesting thing that God added on this holy day. Something very important that um, also shows up in one of the, um, in one of the scriptures. See if you can recognize which one it is. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not make clean riddance of the corners of your field. When you reap, neither shall you gather any gleanings of your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. And if you came up with the idea of Ruth, you're right. Because the whole premise was that when she came back, Boaz said, let her glean. Let her glean. And, of course, she became a part of the um, very um, ancestry of Jesus Christ, along with uh, Boaz, And they're written in in the book. And uh, and a lot of times this is something that's read on this day, uh, the book of Ruth. Very interesting book in which God accepted a Moabitess into into, uh, the ancestry of Jesus Christ. So very, very profound. Let's go now uh, just one one quick one here Exodus the the 34th chapter as we, we look at something here because this is also important and it's just very short 34 verse 22 and you shall observe the feast of weeks of the first fruit of the wheat harvest and the feast of ingathering at the year's end so we know that the that early harvest was the barley, which they, they looked at uh, to determine when to, to start uh, the Passover, uh, to, to start Passover. But this one was a wheat harvest. It was a, was a different harvest. They had 50 days up to this point. And you know, they weren't being lazy. They were out planting. They were out taking care of their garden. They were out taking care of their, uh, of their sheep and their goats and, and, and their animals for those 50 days but they came up and they had this blessing that they brought before God on this day and it's interesting and profound that God chose this day to do something so wonderful so precious for all of mankind along with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and that wonderful blessing of his resurrection he gave us the Holy Spirit, which we heard in the first message. So let's go to the Acts, the first chapter. And let's see Jesus' instruction, because this is also very well known and very well understood. And we, we, we talk about it and we, we, we go over it every year. But it's extremely important that we understand how God is reaching out to all of mankind and has included everyone in this. It says here, and he said to them, and it's not for you to know the times or the seasons, verse 7, because they'd ask him about the kingdom of God. They'd ask him when it was coming. And he says, it's not, it's not for you to know that, which the Father has put in his own power. But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the other, par- other parts of the earth. It's almost it's prophetic, isn't it? Because they weren't able to get to all of the earth, so it's continuing on and on as it was received. I will skip the rest of this, and you can read all of, um, uh, of that, how they chose, through those that were with them, another disciple to become an apostle, because they were with them. Matthias became a part of that, and uh, he was numbered with the 11, became part of the 12. And let's go to chapter 2 now. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, the 50th day had come, and they were all in one accord in one place. So what does that tell you? (laughs) They were doing what we're doing today. They were observing the day of Pentecost. They were there. And if they hadn't been there... They would have missed out on this profound thing that happened. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them cloven tongues like as of fire. And sat on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. It says Holy Ghost there, but it really means Holy Spirit. It something so profound that, they, that happened to them. You no, know, it... it it must have been just awesome to have had that happen to each and every one of them that were sitting there. And they began to speak in other languages, it, that word tongues, <clears throat> as the Spirit gave them utterance. And I won't read all of this, but remember, there were a lot of people that came for this to, to Jerusalem for Pentecost. And they were from all over. And when they began to speak, they began to speak not in gibberish... <laughs> not in unintelligible things they began to speak in languages of those that were in there to keep pentecost that were there to keep the feast of weeks and they began to speak in those languages so those people could understand and it's and some of them were were so dumbfounded they said oh these people are out there they're all drunk and it's it's interesting as we come into here, we, we find in verse 11, Cretes and Arabians and all these very, and they were all amazed, verse 12, and, and were in doubt, saying one to another, what means this? Others were mocking, said these men are full of new wine. They're all just full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said to them, You men of Judea and all you dwell in Jerusalem, by this know you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it's but the third hour. But this is what is spoken by the prophet Joel. It's always been very interesting to me why Peter picked this one. So prophetic. both Both in the beginning and the end. It is almost like he... God had inspired him to bring Joel's prophetic message at this particular time because it was very important that they understood what the Spirit was doing and would continue to do. And it came to pass in the last days, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. This is the beginning. This is the beginning of what God was doing on that day of Pentecost that we're reading about and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams and my servants and my handmaidens I will pour out in those days my spirit and they shall prophesy continuing on I I, it didn't just stop right here it didn't just stop in this particular particular time it has gone on since that day. <clears throat> Excuse me. Since this Pentecost this has been going on. And I will show wonders in heaven above, signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the great and t- notable day of the Lord come. So from that day till the time that he returns, these things are going to continue on. <clears throat> the spirit is going to be continue to be given. Men are going to be called, and women are going to be called. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before that great and terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just open the door. Open the door. Whoever shall be called upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He said. He continues on here in verse 22. I think this was so beautiful what Peter was doing, and it was. It, I'm sure it was so powerful and so profound for these people that were standing around and listening in their own languages. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. Him, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held of it. For David speaks concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, and I should not be moved. David prophesied of of Christ. If you go back and you read the Psalms, there are so many that talk. It's just like reading about Jesus' life. It's like there's so much of Christ in the Psalms. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. Because you will not leave my soul in hell. Neither will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. David wanted to see the the resurrection also. Wanted to be a part of it. You have made known to me the ways of life. You shall make me full of joy with your countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak to you of the patriarch David. A man after God's own heart. Who he loved. But he is dead. And he's still dead. The resurrection hasn't happened. It's not time yet. He's both dead and buried, and his sepulchre is with us to this day. It's still with us to this day. The, the things that are in the Bible have not been fulfilled. We're still waiting. And there's still that spirit that goes out to be taken to those who are being called. And we'll see some of that as as we look at this, as I, I've got some points about that also that go. Along with them. He said, therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his loins according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit in his throne. He, seeing this before, spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. And that word hell, of course, is, uh, means the grave. This Jesus was as God raised up, whereof we were all witnesses. Therefore being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has shed forth this which you now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he says himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit you on my right hand until I make your foes your footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Lord. And Christ. He has a tremendous office. He has a tremendous office. And he's, he's right there right now. And he is listening in. On all of those who are keeping this day. Just as the Father is. They're there. And We, be, we can be thankful. That we understand this. But not vain. Just thankful that God has called us. Now, when they heard this, they were all pricked in their hearts. Well, this was, this was a profound thing. I think that spirit, because it was so powerful, it was so powerful in that presence of these that, that were there, at, at this, first, this Pentecost service, this time, that they were, they, the heaviness was there. They understood what they had done. And they were pricked in their hearts and said, Peter, To the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what in the world shall we do? We understand. And Peter said to them, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. A promise, brethren, a tremendous promise. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. It's an important thing to understand. There is a calling that is going out. And it continues to go out from that day, from this day that it started, that call has continued to go out all over the world to the, to to wherever God is working. To the best that we can do. Which we are doing. As Richard will tell you through uh, CGON, we are putting out literature. We're we have a, a broadcast, and there may be some that are watching today and listening to this, to this message today. And we hope that you're blessed by it, because this is a day in which you can be very thankful that God is, be, is calling, is continuing to call those in this world. And if, we'll look at that calling a little bit, too. They said, then and with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and that same day there were added to them about three thousand souls. And of course they continued steadfastly in the doctrines and the teachings, and they they were together and praying and and, and sharing things together because it was so profound in their life. Let's go now to um, let's see where I wanted to, to pick it up at. This is also called First Fruits. And so let's go to 1 Corinthians. This is the Feast of First Fruits, Feast of Weeks, um, Pentecost, 50th, many different. And as David said in his message, each one of those that he gave were some that could have been part of my message. But I I just didn't do it. Just didn't put them in there. It was interesting. Um, There's so much, so much that could be, the whole spectrum of God's word could be a part of this Pentecost service today. All of it could be tied in to what God is doing. His plan of what he is working out in each individual life, and what is working out for all of mankind? It says in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, in verse, verses 20 and 23. Let's see if I can find it. It says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. So we understand that Christ is that firstfruits because he was that first wave sheath offering. In verse 23, But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. We share in Christ. Tremendous thing that we have a part in. We can be there in that resurrection time. Let's go to, um, and as we read in Exodus 34, 22, it is, there was a that first fruit offering, was a wheat offering, first fruit offering. Now let's go to Romans the eighth chapter. So many of these scriptures, I think most of us are very, very familiar with. And I'm just touching on them. Some of them very lightly; others I'm going to, to get a little deeper into. Romans eight twenty-three. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the spirit. Even we ourselves, groan inside ourselves, waiting for the adoption. That is the redemption of our body. We, brethren, have that first fruits of the Spirit. It started way back there. That's a long time ago. This, this happened a long time ago. But it's continuing on. It hasn't quit. God is still calling. God is still giving His Holy Spirit. God's still pouring it out to those that will come. Those that will come to him. Those that will repent and understand that. Those that will repent and believe this message. He is still calling. And it continues on to this day. In James, the first chapter, as we look... James 1, beginning in verse 17 through 8 in just two verses here. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And we can be thankful for that. His promises are His promises. And He sticks with them, makes covenants. He stays and He keeps His covenants. Of His own will fathered he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation it says of his creatures but it really means of his creation this, this he's working in us he's he's working in us and in, de, in developing Christ like character because that's who we're supposed to emulate in our life we emulate Jesus Christ I wrote down here, if, if we're first fruits, what are we to bear? Is there, you know, <laughs> a fruit is, a, is, is something that has come off of a, a, of a tree or, or like the weed has came off of that, that stalk. So what are we bearing? What, what is it that we bear? In John the 15th chapter, we find that Jesus talks about a vine and about a husbandman. And about a position that we, we are in right now. He says, I am the true vine in verse 1. I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. So they're working together. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. This is an active role that the Father and Jesus Christ has with each one of us. It's a very important thing for us to understand that we're not just left alone out there to to struggle. He is with us. Remember he says he will come and dwell in us. The comforter that we heard earlier. This is what's going on. We are the, the temple of the living God. Now, you are all, you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide. In other words, it remain in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. So there's these basic truths that we understand that we have to be tied to Jesus Christ. He gives us the Holy Spirit and they come and dwell in us, but we can't just push him out. The Bible says that we can quench the Spirit. We can get to the point where we've pushed God away from us. We need to fire up that spirit in us and be close to God. Be close to them. And let let us let Him let us abide in Him. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in Him, the same things the same brings forth much fruit. For without me you cannot do anything. You can't do nothing. And so, apart from Jesus Christ, we have very little that we can do, except be a human, you know. But with Jesus Christ, there's there's power there through the Holy Spirit, through that indwelling. If a man abide in me, and I and I, I and he, uh, let's see, I'm going to make sure where I want to go here with this. Um, see. It, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide, in me, abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them, cast them into the fire, and they are burned. That's a sad situation, isn't it? Turn your back on Christ. Turn your back on God. You, you wither up, and you, and you just fall away. You walk away from this truth. You, walk, you don't even... In a few years, you wouldn't even know anything about this day. You wouldn't know anything about the Passover. You wouldn't know. Those things would become uh, so far away from you. And only if God had mercy on you and brought it back to your mind and, and, and had you, to, you know, to come back. These things, it's very serious what God talks about. If you abide in me and, and my word and abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and I will and it shall be done to you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. So, what kind of fruit are we bearing? What kind of fruit do we, we need to be bearing? That's kind of an interesting thing. That fruit is found, of course, in Galatians, the fifth chapter. The fruit of the Spirit. Everyone should understand and know Galatians 5. But let's read it again. Let's go back and let's read Galatians and if I can find Galatians again, we'll be all right. 5 verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit working in us, God the Father, Jesus Christ dwelling in us. We are the temple of the living God. The fruit of the Spirit are these things. These should be, we should be able to see some of this being born in our life. These are the fruits. Love. First thing, right off the bat. If, if we don't have love. We, we don't even know God. We can't even understand who God is, because God is love. It says in the Bible, God is love. So, where are we if we don't, under, if we don't even have the fruit of love? If we can't understand that first fruit, then it, it's at the beginning. All of these others seem to tie in to the love that God has for us, the mercy that he has, for each and every one of us. It says there's, there's love. Then joy. If you understand this truth, and Lawrence has brought this out so many so many times, if you understand this truth, you understand where you're going, what, what your, your, your ultimate goal is in being into the kingdom of God and having a position in, in God's kingdom, you will have joy. You will have a lot of joy because you will realize, I have such a tremendous purpose in life. God has given me his spirit. He's, he's given me a place and position in his kingdom. I just got to make it through. I've gotta, I want that joy. I, I love what God is doing in my life. Peace. <laughs> if, this, if God dwells in you, he says he would give us his peace. Jesus said when, I, when he left, he says, I give you my peace. My peace I leave with you. Jesus, even though he was hated and, and maligned and, and, and ridiculed and, and then at the end he was beaten and spit upon what, at the end he said Lord forgive them for they know not what they do he had tremendous mercy and, but th- there was a peace about him because he knew his position he knew what, he, what God uh, was doing and, and the power that was there long suffering Sometimes our life, as, as David said, there's a lot of things that come into our life that we we uh, struggle through. And we, we have things that we maybe struggle with, sins and different things that we're trying to overcome. We need long suffering. And, and that's a part of the spirit that God gives us. Gentleness. And I'm not talking about man being uh, gentle. I'm talking about um, that gentleness that where we love and, and and have an outgoing concern for, for one another and are gentle to one another and are not rough and, and, and gruff with one another. Goodness. Faith, of course. <laughs> faith. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit, having faith, believing. Believing what God has written. Believing what God has for us. Believing that we have a place in God's kingdom. Believing that we that he is continuing to work with us on on a daily basis, never having a doubt. Now, sometimes doubts do come, but we need to to have that strong faith, meekness, and temperance. Um, Sometimes we're overindulgent in this society because we have so much, and it's important that we have some temperance in our life. Paul says, against these things, there there is no law. And why is that? Because once you have these fruits, you have the love and the joy and the peace and all of that, you're Christ-like. And of course, we're wanting to be Christ-like, and we're working at being Christ-like, but we're still uh, humans, aren't we? And humans and and come short of the glory of God. But these are the fruits that he expects us to be bearing. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the, the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory. We should be provoking one another. We should, uh, let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. So those are things that Paul is teaching us in Galatians. Now, the other thing that's wonderful about the Spirit, <clears throat> that we have it, if we've got it in us, there are so many positive things about having God's Holy Spirit that this one positive thing is is, the, is, is something that we can hold on to f- for the rest of our life. In John 6, verse 63, he says, let's see if I can find it here. He says, it is the spirit, excuse me, that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. And that word quicken, that means to make alive. If you have that Holy Spirit dwelling in you, even if you die, you're going to be made alive. That is the promise that's in God's word. When When we come to that point, of death. We need to go back and we need to be thinking about these scriptures. We need to be thinking about what God has, has done with us and taken care of us. And say, Father, that spirit is in me. I know I'm going to be resurrected. In a twinkling of an eye, I'm going to be in your kingdom. I'll just lay down, and next thing I know, I'll have my family around me. I'll be a part of the kingdom, and I'll have my place. Take heart in God's word and what is in here. On this day of Pentecost, what he is doing to you and me and to the rest of the world. In Romans, the 8th chapter, beginning in verse 5, this chapter is so profound for all of us. who You need to, to be able to really have this in your heart because this, is, this speaks to those that have the Spirit of God. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. When we finally cross over and get rid of some of the physical, uh, fleshly things in our life, and we become more and more like Christ, because that's what it really means, we, we just have to become more and more like Christ we get rid of some of the, the carnal things in our life. We become more like him. He says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually mine is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is in me. it's in me against God. It's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwells in you. Your mortal bodies, your... Going to die, all of us. It's appointed a point in the man wants to die. But with that spirit that dwells in us, we have that makes us that new man. That day comes, we will we will be in his kingdom. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But If you, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live eternally in God's kingdom. It's what is promising. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Right now, if you have the Spirit of God, you are a son of God and a daughter of God. And He loves you and He wants you in His kingdom and He has a place and a purpose for each of you. In Ephesians, the second chapter, just to reinforce this particular thing about it, being quickened, beginning in verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, or his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace, you are saved. God had so much mercy, so much love that, He allowed Christ to die, and then he began to call and give his spirit. And has raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're not there. but God considers as though we are. And if we continue on the path to that righteousness and to that goal, we will be there. That in the ages to come, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Those are beautiful and profound words. And I was reminded of Ephesians by David. Ephesians 1 verse 13. He says, in whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's a very important scripture, brethren, to understand that we are sealed right now. If you have God's Holy Spirit, or you want God's Holy Spirit, and you want to be in God's kingdom, this is very important because once you have it and you don't give up and you go to the end you are already sealed you are sealed that spirit seals you to that kingdom of God to that hope of the kingdom of God it also puts us as his friend as his children as his um, what he loves and all of the things that he is doing. So we see God's Holy Spirit being poured out. And we understand that God is working with many, many people all over the world and calling many people. There is a call going out, and it has been going out since that day that that Spirit was given on Pentecost. We know, though, that there are a lot of things that we don't quite understand. And it's interesting that in. in in those things that we don 't quite understand, we have to remember that God also has a love for his, his people that He called Israel. And, and why they rejected Him, why they did what they did it's only for our example that they were they laid those things that are written are for our example that we don't follow in that same way. In Romans the 10th chapter Paul wrestles with this Paul wrestles with this he, he and Romans 10 and 11 are very interesting in that there is something that God is going to be doing and has and and, and plans and boy if I gotta just get the right place here I'll be alright he's probably already got it up there Romans 10 and verse 21 but to Israel he says all day long I have stretched forth my hands to disobedient and gainsaying people and when we go back in the book of Hebrews we, we understand in the book of Hebrews it says they were, un, they were unfaithful they were unfaithful they didn't believe what God was doing with them they didn't believe God and they didn't believe what he was doing even though he showed them all these miracles and showed them tremendous miracles and so, so so Paul was wrestling with this. But to Israel, he says, all day long, I stretched out my hands. God said, I stretched out my hands to the disobedient and gainsaying people. Uh, and, and Paul in verse 1 says, I say then, has God cast away his people? God forbid. Let it not be so. May it never be, is what it says down here in my little margin. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of ...of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people, which he foreknew. Know you not what the scripture says to Elijah? How he makes intercession to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets, dug down your altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. Kind of interesting. That, that one little area, that, that part of the, the scriptures where Elijah is just so depressed... Because there's, he, doesn't, he doesn't see anybody left. <laughs> and God has to tell him. And he says the answer. But what says the answer of God to him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. You know, yesterday we were talking about in idol worship and the idols. And there were a few that had not bowed to Baal. He says, Even though at this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace, and if by grace then is not more works, otherwise grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace, otherwise works no more work. What then? Israel has not obtained that which, seek, which he seeks for, but the election has obtained it, and the rest were blinded. And according as it is written, God has given them a spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, ears that they should not hear to this day. And, of course, uh, let's see where I wanted to go with how far I wanted to go, didn't he? Um, let's go to, um, I think I read a little more than I wanted to there. Let's go to verse 26 and 27. This, this is a study all in its own. This about the branches and about being grafted in and all of that. So this is a study all of its own but I wanted to I wanted to, to help us to understand that God has not forg- forgotten anyone he has not forgotten his promises he's not forgotten his covenants he's not forgotten anything and so when he makes a covenant when he makes a promise to us which he which he has at baptism, you shall receive the holy Spirit that promise that promise is a promise, a covenant promise, that when we when we go back and we keep the Passover, we renew that covenant every year, don't we? That promise is there every year. He says, there shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and shall, shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. That Deliverer is Jesus Christ. For this is my covenant to them when I shall take away their sins. The day is coming, because he loves Israel also, as he loves his creation. They were his firstborn son. In Jeremiah 31, I just want to read this, as, and I've got one other scripture here that I want to read. I want to start in verse 31, and then I'm finishing up here. Behold, the day comes, says the Lord, that I will make a new covenant, with the house of Israel and with the house of Jacob. Now, please uh, be aware of what it just said. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them out of the ha- by the hand and to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they broke, although I was a husband to them. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. We understand from prophecy that he's going to bring those two houses together. There's a prophecy about two sticks that he brings together, and they meld together. Judah and Israel. They're going to come together. They're going to be together again. He says, But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, said the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts. I will write it in their heart. I will be to them a God, and they shall be be my people. They shall teach no more every man his neighbor, every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Thus says the Lord, which gives the sun to the, for light, uh, for a light by day and to the ordinances of the moon and the stars by, of light by night, which divides the sea when, uh, when the waves thereof roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart, Before me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus says the Lord, if heaven above can be measured and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, I will also cast off the seed of Israel for all they have done, says the Lord. Behold, the day comes, says the Lord, that the city shall be built to the Lord from the tower of Hanan, El, to the gate of the corner. And the measuring line shall be, shall yet go forth over against it upon the hill of Garib and shall compass about to, go for, uh, to Goath. And the whole valley of the dead bodies and the ashes and all the fields of the brook of Kidron and to the corner of the house of the gate towards the east shall be holy to the Lord. It shall be plucked up, not thrown down any more forever. He's going to build his kingdom again. And that... Holy, which isn't very holy right now, in that holy area, when Christ comes back, it will be holy. He will make it holy. He will clear it off, He will clean it up, and it will be holy. And He will begin to gather those people, His nation, Israel. But right now, brethren, we have a great calling. The Holy Spirit has been given. And He's calling us, and in 1 Corinthians the first, cha- uh, the first chapter. We understand that calling. In 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, verse 26. He says, for you see your calling, brother. I love this. I love these verses that Paul uses. Both because it gives us heart. <laughs> Those of us who didn't come with a golden spoon in our, our mouth. And, um, you know... We didn't have our shoes made into gold or anything like that when we were babies. Um, it just gives us so much heart. Paul writes this to help us to understand that from, from our perspective, sometimes we don't know why God even reached out and called us, except we were willing to come. We were willing to hear God's voice. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. God has chosen, chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised. Has God chosen, yea, the things which are not, to bring to nothing things that are. There is a plan that God has. (laughs) When we're in the kingdom and we have this glow about us, And this power about us. And we face, you know, maybe our ancestors or those that are, uh, no telling who we might have to come up against, Genghis Khan or I don't know, anybody that we might have to come up against. We will exude power. And yet right now, we look at ourselves and we realize we're just nothing. But the point is, that no flesh should glory in his presence. That's the whole point. We are called and who we are. God has blessed us and given us grace, forgiven our sins. And when we come into the kingdom, it is to glorify God, that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him are you. In Christ Jesus, who of God has made to us wisdom, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that according as it is written, the uh, the glories, let him glory in the Lord. Let him glory in the Lord. On this 50th day, brethren.